grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All looks well, but all is not well. That's the scene that the painter, the artist Caravaggio, tries to depict in his famous painting, The Calling of St. Matthew, which you have on the cover of your worship folder. And again, if you'd like to get a full color picture, there's some more back on the podium. I want to draw your attention to a couple of details from this painting that depicts the moment that we heard in this morning's gospel. At first glance, all looks well. You see these guys, they're all gathered together around the table, and they are dressed like they're about to go to the prom, right? They are in their fancy finery, which, if you're wondering, was not typical of the time of Jesus, right? The artist is trying to uh, make it contemporary to his own time to show that Matthew and his confreres, his buddies, are doing pretty well for themselves, right? We see that also with all the cash or the coin that they're counting out on the table. They are doing just fine, thank you very much. On the surface, at first glance, all looks well. But the painter also wants to point out for us that all is not well. One way he does this is that uh, you notice that light shining in over Jesus' head. You can just barely see in the top right corner. Suggesting that before Jesus came in, they were all sitting around in what? In the dark. In the dark. Because that's where they need to be in order to hide their misdeeds. And now, as Jesus comes in, as the light shines, it's like when you flip over the log and you find all of the, the creepy, crawly maggots underneath. Sorry to be, you know, I hope you've had your breakfast already this morning. But this is kind of the idea, is that now we are seeing these sinners in all of their sickness. Now, when you look at it again, it's not so nice that they've got all that coin, but instead, they're like vultures hovering over the thing that they loved most. But now that Jesus has arrived, it's exposed for the sickness that it truly is. All looked well, but all is not well. But as we will soon see as the story unfolds, to be sick can be a way of being better than well when it comes to our Lord Jesus. You can set aside the picture for the time being. As the story goes on from there, Matthew heeds the call of the Lord Jesus and follows him. And what's the first thing that he does? He throws a party, of course. He throws a party for all of his tax collector buddies, all of the, the riffraff from the community, all of them are gathered around the table breaking bread with the Messiah, with Jesus himself. And then the Pharisees are passing by. Oh, hey guys, you guys are having a party in there? And they ask, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Is that how they asked it? Just curious, just wondering. Hey, we were wondering, all of us, we were talking, why is it that Jesus eats with tax collectors and sinners? Of course, it's not how they ask the question, right? They ask it in that pointing, cutting kind of way. Wait a second. Why is he eating with tax collectors and sinners? What's their beef with this? Why is it that they, they are so upset about Jesus eating with Matthew and his gang here? Well, the biblical commentator, teacher, Matt, uh, Jeff Gibbs, he points out that there's really two reasons, two primary reasons, why the Pharisees are so upset 
about this meal that Matthew is having with Jesus and his friends. And the two reasons are that it is too exclusive and that it's too inclusive. <laughs> First of all, it's too exclusive because it's like, wait a second, only friends of Jesus get to join in this party? Why isn't it open to us? But on the other hand, it's too inclusive. Wait a second. These tax collectors and sinners get to be part of this party? They're friends with Jesus? Why isn't he friends with us? <laughs> In both of these instances, they are wondering why Jesus welcomes the people that he does. But underneath of that is a deeper problem, see? Because underneath of their grumbling and their questioning is a refusal to see themselves as those who need Jesus. See, they think that they are doing just fine, thank you very much, that they are plenty well off, and so that they don't really need this supposed great physician, that they're doing perfectly well. It reminds me of the classic comedy film, Monty Python. There's the character in it, the Black Knight. For those of you who are familiar with this movie, you know exactly where I'm going with this. There's this character, the Black Knight, and it's a total farce, and he comes up so proud that he is going to take down King Arthur, and immediately they engage in a duel, and King Arthur just swipes his sword and straight away cuts off the Black Knight's arm, and he starts bleeding all over the place, and it's meant to be comic. I know you're like, that's weird and gross, but you see the movie, it makes sense. And then the guy, Black Knight, says, oh, that's okay. You know, it's just a little scratch. And he runs at him again. And King Arthur cuts off his other arm. He says, now he's bleeding from both arms. And King Arthur says, okay, the battle is done. I've won. He says, no. And he starts kicking him. And he says, it's only a flesh wound. And he just keeps on going, refusing to recognize that his plight is way worse than he actually had realized before. This is what it's like for the Pharisees. Like the Black Knight refusing to recognize in how bad of a way that they actually are. It's bad news for the Pharisees, but it's good news for Matthew. Because Matthew has recognized, yes, I am sick. And the great physician's operating table is the supper table. That place of profound friendship and fellowship now Jesus breaks bread even with Matthew, no doubt to the uh, upsetting even of the fellow disciples. And I love how the TV show about Jesus that's come out recently, The Chosen, I know many of you have, have watched The Chosen, The Chosen depicts this so powerfully in this moment of the, the call of Matthew, and Matthew comes and follows Jesus. And Simon Peter gets so upset about this, even though he himself was not a Pharisee. But he says, well, wait a second, wait a second. I don't get it. And Jesus says to Simon Peter in the show, you didn't get it when I called you either. And Peter says, but wait a second, this is different. I'm not a tax collector. And Jesus says to Simon Peter, get used to different. This is a difference of mercy. Our great physician, Jesus, does not have any kind of prerequisites. He ignores all of our pre-existing conditions of sin and welcomes each and every person to be part of this party, to belong to his fellowship, to break bread with him. If only we will acknowledge and admit that we are not well. But I wonder how we do with that in our world today. How are we doing at acknowledging our sickness and our lack 
of wellness. A book that came out a few years ago, the title of it caught my attention. The title was Better Than Well. Better Than Well. And the subtitle was American Medicine Meets the American Dream. And the author, a doctor, was drawing attention to how in America today, people are popping pills at an alarming rate, not because of personal sickness, but for the purposes of personal improvement. And he was a doctor. He wasn't trying to ignore the real reasons that people need pills, need medicine. Of course, that's there. But he was drawing attention to the fact that in America, the richest, wealthiest nation on the planet where we should be doing better than well all the time, instead we have this deep-seated anxiety and apprehension and despair and depression. We try to to struggle to put on this happy face to show, no, we're doing good. We are all living under this pressure to show, no, I am better than well. And you know what? As Christians, we are not immune to this either. Even as I would say that it is a real occupational hazard to us, if I can put it that way. See, as Christians, we of all people ought to recognize that we are sin sick and not better than well. And yet there's this temptation for us to put up a false front. Maybe I've told the story to you before of a colleague of mine out in California, a fellow pastor, who he himself struggled with this by his own admission, although it took him a while to finally get there. He was somebody who was just go, 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 drive, 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 do all that I've got to do. Show everybody that I am successful, that I am ambitious, that I am a winner in our world today for Jesus, right? And so he became essentially a workaholic. He was putting in 60, 70, 80 hours a week until finally his family and his friends were like, dude, you need help, okay? You can't keep going like this. Call him Clint. And Clint, he was like, I don't need help, all right? Don't get mad at me just because I'm successful and and productive in my work. But they said, please, for our sake, will you do this? Will you go and get some help? He said, okay, fine, but I don't need it. So Clint goes to a support group for workaholics. And at that first meeting, he's circled up along with all of the other folks in the room. And just like at an AA meeting, they go around, you introduce yourself, you talk about what has brought you there. And it finally comes around to Clint, and he stands up, and he says, Hi, I'm Clint, and I don't know why I'm here, okay? I'm good at my job. I work hard. I strive to to be successful. Other people have invited me to be here. And he just starts rattling off all of his achievements and his accomplishments and saying, Look, I don't understand why I need to be here for reason A, B, C. And finally, the facilitator of the group just interrupts him and says, Stop. Just stop. And he says to him, Clint, why do you boast about your disease? Why do you boast about your disease? See, the very thing that he thought was his wellness was his most profound sickness. And I think as believers, there's a temptation for us in that way to try and act as though we are not sick. We are well. We have got it all together. But understand that your Lord Jesus did not come as the Savior of the world because we have got it all together. 
He did not merely come for those who have their poop in a group, for all those with the angelic children and the flawless five-year plan, for those with the empty inbox and who are able to answer every question when it comes to them, who are able to, to put all of their life together in a neat picture on Instagram or Facebook. Jesus came for us in all of our mess and muddle and says, child, you are mine. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And listen, that's not just true when you first become a Christian. It is true for your whole life long. And the great physician, he continues to nurture us to, to greater health and him. But still, our whole lives, we continue to be sick and in need of the Savior, even as by his grace we are growing in health more and more. I want to draw your attention once more to the painting to make sure that we don't miss the fact that this good news is for you and me. You notice in the picture that Jesus is pointing and the person he's pointing at is kind of ambiguous. And art critics and theologians, biblical scholars through the ages have argued about, well, who is it that Jesus is pointing to? And you've got the guy in the middle with the big beard. He's pointing his finger. Is he pointing it at himself? Or is he pointing at the guy who's looking at him over his shoulder? Or is he pointing at the young guy down at the other end of the table? Which one of those is Jesus pointing at? Who of these guys is sick? We ask this question. But it misses the point that the artist, and even more so, that Jesus himself is making. Which of them is sick? All of them are. It's not that the Lord came for a certain subset of people. They're the ones who are especially bad and they need this good news. But the point is precisely that every single one of us are sick and in need of the Savior's grace. And so that means we need to stop pointing fingers at other people about how sick and sinful they are, but instead to point that finger at ourselves and also to recognize that the Savior's finger has pointed at you and me to say, you are one of mine as well. You are one for whom I came, no matter how sick and how sinful you might feel. There's a hymn that came out many years ago. It's not in our hymn, though, but it's entitled, Come Ye Sinners, Poor and Needy. And it has this line. Let not conscience make you linger nor of fitness fondly dream. All the fitness he requires is to feel your need for him. All the fitness he requires is to feel your need for him. And that's why when our Lord Jesus invites you and me to come to this table, an extension of Matthew's table, we come not as the well, but as the sick, to receive the medicine of immortality, to make it unmistakable that the Lord's body and blood is for you. You can't wriggle out from underneath of it, but here it is, this gift is for you. Acknowledging as we come forward, no, I am not well, but in the hands of your great physician and under his blessing, you are better than well. You are sick and with him, is a gracious place to be. Amen.
May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand for prayer.